You are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hey, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brand Architect Podcast. Uh, again, as always, live streamed on LinkedIn and Facebook profiles of mine. So um, thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, let's see who's going to be the guest uh, today. So today I'm talking to Felix Sander. Welcome, Felix. Hello. Thanks for having me. Felix, how did we meet? Let, let, let me get, uh, let me just recall. It was on LinkedIn initially, but I think it was through Epix. Yeah. Or was it th- or was it through your community? Or I, I just don't remember exactly. I remember that we connected because I was having a webinar coming up. Right. And that was kind of the first time we, we spoke together uh, on on LinkedIn. So, um, so yeah, another connection on social media. I have to add one little story because I think you're doing it very well. You're putting together these little content pieces about what crypto projects should or shouldn't do. And I think like I knew you from Epics and I knew you from Steemit before. But when I saw on LinkedIn that you put up these nice uh, I think it was like typical stuff that uh, makes me cringe when crypto entrepreneurs or companies say that stuff. And I found it so oh, funny yeah. that I it with the whole team. And, and I think from that on, I, I, I yeah, was contacting you. So just for reference for everyone who's watching or listening, uh, actually, uh, yes, uh, when, when you put out content that somehow resonates with people and kind of, you know, is something that people really feel, uh, have certain emotions or feelings around it they are they feel compelled to share it with others so if if you want more people to consume your content and if you want your content to actually uh have some kind of effect uh just just try to 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 find the topics that are um relevant to to the audience and the type of people that you're trying to reach so uh yeah thanks for reminding me that and yeah let's dive into the conversation but before that can you tell how did you end up in marketing i mean was it a choice was it an accident how did you ended up becoming a marketing professional sure to keep the story a little bit short so i started as a dancer when i was really young when i was like 16 17 years old and i did a lot of shows and i did a lot of events so i kind of um were were drawn into event marketing and event management to to promote the shows that we were doing or to promote the next tour that we were doing and uh, from that point on of course you have to do event marketing and at the same point while I was dancing I was also studying marketing at the university and so I always mm-hmm. had a little practice you know while I was studying the theory I could immediately like put it into practice and and see what would work and what wouldn't so that was really great and from that point on, I just uh, went on to online marketing, to e-commerce, to um, to managing shop systems and all that stuff uh, until I finally did a few apps, like where I did the, the app marketing. And, and from that point on, I got really interested in blockchain a few years ago, uh, found out about Steemit, found out about like the whole the whole economy behind it and, and got drawn to it. And from that point on, it was Epics and blockchain marketing for the last three and a half years now. Okay, nice, interesting. You you mentioned Stimit. I always tell this story that basically Stimit was the thing that brought me into blockchain. So mm-hmm. I ended up uh, uh, 
getting into blockchain completely accidentally like i i you know i was online content creator i was fiction writer and anything like really technological related was never part of my career so i worked for different international brands but um but not tech brands so uh when I got into Simit, I got it from the content creator perspective, right? And then I got into this rabbit hole of, of the whole cryptocurrency route. Since we mentioned Stimit, I think there are two things that we, we should kind of, you know, uh, set up the environment for, for people who don't know about this and kind of uh, so they know what we're talking about. Um, so Stimit uh, was the first uh, social media network that actually... Uh, realized that uh, instead of us participating on social networks where um, the the brands behind those networks are actually benefiting and making money uh, thanks to to our engagement and are monetizing our data and doing all this stuff that I'm sure you have heard about Facebook doing. Stimit basically created a social network where content creators were rewarded cryptocurrency and where all these likes were actually representing money that the content creators were getting. So basically, uh, the better content you create, the more money you make, the more cryptocurrency you make, which which can easily turn into real money later on. So you can see real benefits of participating and bringing value to the network. So that's kind of the first thing of, of, of the Stimit platform. I feel like maybe because the model was different, the Stimit community was uh, different as well. So I felt like, I don't know about your experience, but there wasn't really so much toxic stuff going on. There wasn't so much negativity and people were way more friendly, less criticizing, and the environment overall was quite positive. Would you agree about this? Yes, when I first joined in, I think it was 2017, first impression was really, really good when when you do your first introductionary post on Steemit and and when you do maybe a few follow-up steps and engage with the community, it was really cool to see how a community could uh, regulate itself and just the idea of of doing this. But what we always uh, felt and and what we were telling Steemit and a lot of other people in the crypto space is that the marketing wasn't at its peak. You know, the the user interface was way um, too old, to say at least, and and the way how to post your your, your blog content and, and stuff was so complicated with the HTML part and all that. Which isn't bad. And there was no messaging. Like I couldn't message a certain user I wanted to talk to. Exactly. So that was another thing that was kind of weird. But yeah. <laughs> so there were a lot of good things, but also a lot of things that could have been improved from the beginning or you know, could have been improved during the process, but nothing yeah. really changed. And so we decided to take matter into our own hands and 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 just to come up with a cool app that is way more user-friendly, that, that is way easier to use, uh, where you don't have to know the HTML part, where you don't have to like do it in a web browser because most people nowadays, they use their phones, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. and, and so especially when you target the, the younger people and, you know, the, the, the generation, the X, Y, and yep. Z. So you have to um, think about a cool approach for them so it makes more fun, so it's more gamification. And yeah, that's what we did, coming from Steemit in the end. 
Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yes. I mean, the story of the steamed is it has even like more interesting continuation because I, I and I even wrote an article about this. I think the story of steamed sort of shows the power of the community because I always say that the communities, online communities of all these B2C platforms are extremely important and uh, they will either make or break your project. And um, the thing with the communities is um, they are very emotional and very dedicated, uh, but if something goes wrong, they are, you know, as much as they loved you before, with the same force, they will hate you later on. Very quickly, you're absolutely right. And, and very quickly, yeah. So so the what happened with Stimit at one point, uh, for those who, who don't know the story, Stimit was bought by uh, Justin Sun, uh, who's not... Uh, Whose, whose personal brand is not very positive, let's say. Um, I, I want to, you know, I will refrain from going further than that. But uh, the community didn't like it. The community didn't like the fact that their platform was owned by a person they didn't really resonate with and they had a completely different value system with. Um, so... What they did was they, they forked the whole blockchain and they created Hive uh, and, and all of them together moved to, to use Hive and, and just ditched and abandoned the, the Stimit platform. So that kind of shows that the power of the social networks are uh, at, at the user's hands. So when people complain about Facebook, uh, you always have a choice. Uh, if, if, you know, the choice is not made or the choice is made and people continue to use it, then there's nothing to complain about because, you know, uh, it's, it's possible to abandon any, any kind of platform at the moment because there are, the choices are very, very different, right? One thing maybe I would like to add to this is that we still see a clear pattern of whales who dominate the space. You know, when you go to Steam, it was the case. You had to have mm -hmm. whales in your back pocket or, or at least in your favor to to have any yes. amount of success on this platform. And the same thing goes for Hive now, I guess. And, and, and what we're seeing on both platforms, what you just described is that some content creators who were, who were loved in the beginning, you know, because they joined the platform and were promoting it, uh, yeah, getting a big shitstorm once they speak up against the platform and, and criticize it for anything, like simple things. And... Um, so I think this is really a, an important point that you make that um, even though it is decentralized, it is still kind of governed by a handful of people that have the most power. And of course, the community votes for them. And But I think there's still improvement to be made. This is just what I wanted to add to that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's always uh, a way... Uh beyond what's there and and you know I, I still kind of you know realize that it's relatively new field relatively new kind of setup so um all these older legacies social media networks have been around for ages so they they did have so much time to to get more insights to get more data to get more user experiences and more feedback so absolutely um so Felix was talking about their app, which is, um, I mean, if I have to, to, to put it into normal people's kind of language, uh, to me, it's, it's basically, um, 
probably a new version of Instagram where users are actually rewarded. So all these likes are actually turning into cryptocurrency, which later on turns into money. Uh, so you, uh, you have this direct link between how many people like your stuff and how much money you're making. That's kind of the the simplified version for non-crypto people to understand what it is, uh, because it does from from all the other social networks out there. Instagram is the seems to be the closest in terms of image and and you know what it, what it looks like. Um, so go ahead and tell your version of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what we're trying to do is make social media social again kind of like that is our claim mm -hmm. you know, we, we we see the potential in social media we see a huge amount of content creators around the world who who are really putting their heart into social media by posting on instagram on youtube and and these platforms are making it harder and harder and harder so our approach is always to put the community first we have a bunch of programs just designed to support new users to support new content creators for example we have um big support accounts just for new for newcomers. We have the influencers that we choose. They get equipped with a delegation and their mission mm -hmm. is uh, to find new talents in their niche. So for example, if we have a fashion influencer, he is, uh, he is, uh, his task is to find new talents in the fashion category and to reward them with an upload. And of course they become trending and now they get more followers and the whole thing starts turning. And the second thing is that we really put a big focus on a thing that is called uh, purpose-driven campaigns. And it's about our, we have a discovery page, as you might have noticed, and it has a little brand section. We don't put any advertisement in, in the feed of the user or in any other part of the platform. This is just one one extra part where you, if, if the user chooses To discover new stuff in this category, he can go to this direction and, and he will find a few brands that do good actually with crypto. So our first mm -hmm. goal is always to, to find a brand, to find an influencer and to find a good cause. For example, a charity, a cultural program or whatever else and an education too. And, um, we form a, cam a, a campaign and, and the money that is being collected through epics is, uh, yeah, donated to the cause. And uh, so this is one of our next big focus because we want to have good stories. We want to create good PR for, for crypto in general. And mm -hmm. to make that happen, you have to have success stories. Like Steemit did in the, in the beginning, I was uh, amazed by what they could do. You know, there, there, there were stories of people from, I think, from Ghana. Um, and he didn't have uh, electricity or a home and running water and He, he posted on Steemit and the community made it happen. So he could finally have all yeah. that, or like a cancer operation and stuff. So, so I really believe in the power of the community in Apex and we put a big priority on that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very interesting. You mentioned two things that I would like to dive more into. Uh, one is influencers and influencer marketing, because that is something that is, uh, you know, very, um, very advanced at the moment on other platforms and there are many people who are actually making loads of money by being influencers and having big followers uh, but also there are loads of stories where uh, I mean 
as marketing people, we both know that there are so many ways to trick the system and get like all these numbers that are not real numbers, right? Uh, I mean, there are loads of different things to to leave the impression we want to leave. Um, so have you addressed that on Epix? Like how do you to make sure that these kind of manipulations are like, I mean, that the influencer is a real influencer and not just a fake one? Yeah, so what I really like about the communities so far is that the people who are most successful on epics are the ones who actually engage with the community so mm -hmm. um, we tried a few others we tried um the regular influencer who just posts like let's say once a week or every two or three days on his instagram yeah. account and, and he gets a million likes anyway doesn't matter what he posts more or less but on yeah. epic it's different it, it, it's really um in clear correlation to how much you engage with your community. So if you answer comments, if you write back, if you have a real interest in other people's work. And um, I feel that the influencers that we have right now, we have, for example, we have a few artists, musicians, we have a few dancers, we have a few painters and stuff like that. So um, the, the ones that we have, you actually feel connected with them again. So the thing that we uh -huh. wanted to have back then with social media that you actually exchange personal moments and interactions is coming back in the system right now because uh, you don't get much rewarded if you don't uh, show your heart to the platform, you know, if you're not honest, if you don't uh, believe in the whole thing for real, if you don't just want to, if you just want to make money, you know, people will, oh, yeah. uh, I think they will. Uh, that, that's really good point. Uh, actually, uh, for all new platforms, obviously, it's always uh, easier and nicer when you get on a platform at a relatively early stage because that's when you have higher chances for visibility, right? Yeah. And there is less competition. It's easier probably to stand out and all that stuff. But nevertheless, no, no matter where and when, people still have this issue and challenge of, of being visible, like, you know, you get on a platform, uh, you do post your stuff, but how does the visibility and discoverability part work out? Because some people are not, you know, are not so loud. They are not so, uh, you know, some of them are quite humble, but they also produce very good quality content. So how how is it managed? So we have two systems. We have the influencers that I mentioned that are um, treated as category directors. That is how we call them. So they're like the director of a category and we have many of them who have a delegation and, and they look for new talent, of course. But then we also have over 100 ambassadors in over 20 countries all around the world. And they are so dedicated, like they're actually our backbone right now because they welcome the users. They show them the ropes, like they show them where to go, how to post. Um, mm -hmm. This is the best part. They even make up own challenges. So what we always do on Epics is we have, for example, we have the smiley challenge where you have to like post different versions of a smile. It can be in black, white, uh -huh. and be with a kid. It can be you as a kid. So we had a hashtag kids of Epics, for example, where everyone can contribute uh -huh. because everyone was a kid once, you know? So you post the yeah. picture of yourself when you were a kid and you get huge engagement just because uh -huh. you use this one um, um, hashtag. So what we try to to promote is like this gamification of social media. You don't have to um, be this shiny person, you know. You don't have to like always take selfies of yourself in a mirror. We actually 
rather prefer the people who, who put a lot of thought into their work and, and post it on ethics and share their thought so you can actually um, follow it, you know, and, and understand it very well. So, yeah, this is like, uh, these are the two things that I think that really help the community to grow when they start with us. Okay, makes sense. Um, community, very interesting because, uh, I mean, being from, from the blockchain space at the moment, working at blockchain marketing, uh, the, the hardest thing as a blockchain brand, B2C brand, is actually growing and maintaining a healthy community right like a genuine one i'm not talking about all these you know uh, fake users all these kind of uh, bounty hunters or all the stuff that is not relevant like real genuine community of people who really want to use your uh, app right my experience with app i mean i had discovered apex uh, through an ambassador um through mm. the person i knew from stimit so i was just testing it out But I realized how strong the community was not by using and testing it out, but rather um, that time when I had my webinar, mm -hmm. uh, your community guys completely hijacked my uh, my comment video. You told me, right? I remember. Yeah. So uh, so they were uh, really talking about uh, how how much uh, did um, the the app click all you know ticked all the things that I was telling that the healthy tech startup should should follow how they should market and you know how, how they should go about user acquisition and everything else right um so you could feel like genuine brand ambassadors who are so excited about the project that they go out there on different other platforms and actually try to share the word uh, about it Thank right and I'm, i'm absolutely certain that It was just an, an accidental thing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they were not promoted to do so and stuff like that, right? So, no, no, no. How, no, I, I know. But how do you get to that level? Because that's kind of, you know, the, the, the ideal kind of level of uh, the quality of the relationship with your audience and, and the type of audience that you want to attract before you launch your app. So where did you start and how did you grow it? So you mentioned uh, the beginning of it was actually the Bounty Hunter program and the ICO, of course, back then. So when the community started and we didn't start from zero because we were already kind of like not myself, but for example, our CEO, Tony and um, and Uma, they were really famous on Steemit already. So we had a, mm -hmm. a small group of people who would really like believe in us just because they actually knew our founders very well. Um, and from mm -hmm. that point on, we just tried to keep it really, really personal and honest to like, we, we never tried to keep information in the back. You know, when we had something, when we knew something, we, we would tell them that at least our community and at first our ambassadors, of course. And the second thing is, um, I think that, uh, just posting in your own app, you know, does a great job. If you're actually one of the users that you're, your community is engaging with you're not just one of the guys who runs this app and and who is like occasionally in the app and just posts i don't know whatever um we really try to 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 engage with everyone and with the community and especially with the ambassadors so we have regular calls um we mm -hmm. um uh, we we have zoom sessions with them we try to keep it very personal um and i think that is actually something that people appreciate 
if they have a yeah. genuine feeling of knowing the founders of an app, um, it's much easier to believe in it and to actually put your heart into it too, you know, because it's not something like, uh, I don't know, in a different country, you don't even know the founder or the CMO or you just have like an application form or whatever. So this is not enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a fair point because transparency and and showcasing the team and who are actually people behind it is always very beneficial because uh, it it builds trust, it creates relationship, and uh, it's something that uh, that always brings this additional emotional kind of you know attachment to to the brand because it's always easier to to create relationship with a person than with a logo. I mean, logos never inspire by themselves, right? Unless there is a, uh, an inspiring person behind the logo. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, makes complete sense. I know that the app is still in beta, right? Yeah. It hasn't publicly launched yet. The, this is amazing that we have uh, people sticking with us for like three years now and, and still in beta. And we always say how thankful we are for that because... The only reason that we didn't launch yet is actually not related to the beta. It's related to the SMT that didn't happen back then and to the fact that we were planning on having a massive onboarding. So we have influencers prepared. I don't know if you've seen this, for example. We have a, a Netflix documentary coming out right now. It's the number one documentary on, on Netflix right now with Darren and, and Zach Efron. And Darren is actually um, <clears throat> a team member. So, so he's responsible for our strategic alliances in the U.S. And uh, mm. he's part of the documentary as well. So, yeah, we, um, we, we, we have this huge amount of followers that we could onboard, but we didn't. We chose not to because it would just uh, cost us a, a lot of followers or users because they cannot onboard and they have to wait for two weeks to get their Steemit account and whatever else. So this was just too complicated and not fit for the mainstream. But now we have the solution, and now it's all going to happen, yeah. Okay, makes sense. So um, a question to you. I'm, I'm always saying that it's very challenging to sort of launch a B2C social a kind of, you know, a social network a platform where you have two sides of the stories, right? You, you, you kind of, you know, you have to get traction from the very beginning because very, very often uh, people are already on different networks. Like I'm already on, on many and, you know, so with some of them, I can't even keep track. So it's kind of, you know, almost a dead account just sitting there somewhere. Um, but uh, not only it's kind of, you know, yet another thing that you have to to start with, which is not always a, a preference for many people because they think they have too many platforms already. Yeah. Uh, but also when you go there, uh, you feel like, you know, you would actually want some people that you already know to be on the platform. So like being the first one from, from people around you to, to get there is, is not always very comfortable. Um, so it's it's always hard to to bring in like traction straight away. So how are you tackling that problem? Like, what would you advise to people who are creating something where where they do need people to to make choices, but uh, nevertheless uh, just decide to join it? Like, what is it going to be uh, the attraction point where where people would like actually to to join nevertheless? 
because they may say, you know, they may think, okay, I have Instagram already, of right? Yes. Theoretically. Well, well, you really have to know the pain points of your target audience, I guess. Um, for us, the, the main target audience, even though we are B2C and we are, um, are made for the mainstream, um, our target audience are the content creators or the artists, so to say. Yeah? So mm -hmm. the people who are, who are not getting paid enough you know, because they just don't know how to, they just don't know uh, where to publish. They don't have the connections. They don't know about business or stuff like that. So um, being a dancer from a young age and, and not just myself, but a lot of the team members are dancers and artists and painters and stuff like that. So they all know the pain points of an artist and, an, and a content creator in the world. And I feel that if you tackle a pain point, like a truly a good um, solution for them if you offer that. Um, people don't need all that, you know? They don't need to think about, okay, why should I add another social media? Yeah, because it's maybe the only social media that will work for your kind of art because in Apple... And it's made for you, yeah. It's made for you, right. So so Instagram is obviously not made for the artists and so is no. Facebook and, and not even YouTube, <laughs> you know? It's, it's become like a crazy yeah. show. <laughs> on on most platforms and yeah we really put the focus on that and also the charity part that i mentioned um i feel that there are a lot of people out there who want to do good but they don't know how they don't have the the money they don't have the attention or the time to mm -hmm. actually help other people and now with epics you can just give a vote you know you can help other yeah. people by voting for them and it's not even your money you know so i feel that uh, this is also I know that a lot of others have tried, but but for Epics, it's so easy. You know, you just sign in, post a picture, and and go through your feed, mm. click upvote, 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 and and you feel like you've helped actually a lot of people. Um, yeah, makes sense. So yeah. you're debunking, you're basically debunking this stereotype of starving artist uh, right. because th that's what it is, right? Usually, artists, uh, many talented artists, are 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 not able to support themselves through their passion so most yes. of them are also very unhappy because they are forced to work full-time somewhere else just to pay the bills yeah. and and usually um i worked with loads of writers before and usually the way they see this is they are forced to go to work office for obvious reasons but they also see this work being something that is in between themselves and their passion because it's taking out time, taking out energy, and then they are not really having enough time and uh, enough uh, sort of, you know, uh, things around them to, to be able to, to produce the content that they, they want to produce, to create the art that they want to create. So I, I guess that this whole idea of passion economy and, and sort of monetizing your passion and monetizing your audience is basically uh, something that is very popular these days and, and actually works. So, um, Yes, and we put so, a great um, emphasis on choosing the right influencers from the beginning. So we we will allow anyone in, of course. Everyone is welcome, no no question. But still, if we choose someone as a category di director, we make sure that he actually wants to do good. So he's not just in for the money. He's not here to buy a new yeah. car with his first crypto money or whatever. He's here to help something or a good cause. And, so how and do you choose them? Like. Do you just uh, observe and then 
you know, notice people or, or is there any kind of application? Like, how do you actually, how was, does one get, become an influencer on your platform? Well, of course, we're really um, observant with the market, like who's changing direction, who's uh, speaking up in interviews about like the inequality of, of social media and of in general, the money system. Of course, these are all good candidates, but um, all the guys that we chose for the launch in September now are actually guys that uh, we've met. So we went to Los Angeles. We spent about six months as a team in Los Angeles and, and sat down with a lot of guys. We're really lucky that we have um, an incredible team member named Paul Ring in our team. He has been with Universal Music for the last 30 years and, and he knows a lot of guys in, in Hollywood. And so uh -huh. um, once we sit down and, and you know you can actually talk to someone, it's much easier to find out the true intentions from, from my first oh, yeah. perspective because they can play nice, they can like pretend... But at some point, they, their mask is going to fall. And, and you know, um, if, the, if it's not falling, we know for sure. And then we can do all that we want. But bad press would be, yeah, one of the worst things that I can, can imagine oh, yeah. for crypto now because it's already that bad. And, you know, with Bitcoin and all that stuff in the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually exactly why I always prefer... Um, when I'm following people to watch their live streams versus post-produced videos, because that's where you, you can't really fake it. It's, it's the next best thing to, to uh, in-person meeting, right? Because it, it's a live stream, anything happens. Like I disappeared for a few minutes <laughs> here. And uh, it, it, I mean, you, you can't really fake it. You can't play a role for 45 minutes. You just, right, right. I mean, that's the only cool. way to do this is being yourself. It's way more authentic too, yes, and I agree. And and I think that that the target group that we have right now with the blockchain space um, is is way more skeptical about this. Um, I I would say blockbuster Hollywood kind of style where you like make it uh, oh, yeah. make it look clean, polish it up, and all that stuff. You know, I think I don't yeah. think that people are that interested in that anymore. When I look at what we, what, what we're seeing online and and stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is because many people have discovered that authenticity and genuine approach works. Uh, I, I came up with this new term and I call this fake authenticity, mm -hmm. where people understanding that authenticity is the next thing and it works, they fake being authentic. And then they start coming up with this very personal, very emotional kind of, you know, status updates and, you know, things like that, which are actually not so true, but they know that this is what's working with on the emotional level, right? Yeah. So that's another kind of trend, another um, extreme where people, fake people actually uh, realize what's, what's worth faking these days. For what you said before about the crypto project, um... I think that a lot of people in the crypto space, they they pretend to come for the right reasons, but they're not here for cooperation. They're not here to to actually solve a problem. Um, a lot of these projects are here to 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 make money of it, and and I don't think that this is a long term strategy in blockchain because. Well, it might be, it could of course work, but I think it's much better to actually uh, solve a problem and, and make that your first priority. Yeah. And uh, No, I agree with you. Mm. It's it's not a long-term um, yeah. strategy, but then those type of projects are not 
intending to 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 be around for long term anyway. So right. uh, f- for them, it's 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 just a one shot thing to to just grab the money and 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 leave, right? So they don't really need a long term strategy. But this might be one of the uh, three points that we make actually to to create a good community is also a spirit of cooperation. So what we always try yeah. to do is to seek out to other projects to ask them to do like a cross promotion to work together to to integrate our products in some way or our tokens. Um, and we had great success with that. For example, with ActiveFit, um, they also from Steam and the community loved it. You know, like a project that is actually interacting with each other on a personal level. Yeah. Because, uh, we were Because it's so rare, yeah. Right. And we were taking part in the challenge ourselves. So we had like this uh, stay fit challenge or get in shape, was it, right? In the beginning of mm-hmm. the year. And now we're working with a few other partners. Uh, and it's great, you know, because when you meet, meet the right partner who's actually here for the right things too for the community or in, and to solve a problem, they're all ears. They're like, yes, finally, a project that wants to work with us and, and is for yeah. corporate. And I feel that this is also being appreciated by the community. Oh, yeah, because it's uh, uh, it's it's rare, it's genuine, and uh, um, people feel it. So I, I totally get that. It completely makes sense. Okay, yeah. so if, if we would like, if we would, need to wrap it up. I mean, we spoke about communities, we spoke about uh, social media, about the this transition of, of having uh, new options of social media that is completely different and kind of puts the power in users' hands and also helps monetize passion. Uh, so what do you think the trend is going to be in the, in the future? Like, uh, are, are we going to move into these type of platforms more or are, are the older existing platforms going to start modifying themselves? What, what, what is, um, the future picture? I think that we, uh, will see a big shift into, um, um, a reward-based micro-influencer community for brands. Mm-hmm. I feel that that is truly the way to go. Um, if you pay an influencer, a big one, you know, um, the product will stay successful as long as the influencer is loyal to you or he's being paid or whatever, as you might call it. But the micro-influencers, yeah. in like being the ambassadors, um, they will preserve, you know, and, and I think that Combining it with blockchain now by having a reward system, not just having epics, you know, with the upvoting and all that, but also like bounty programs, airdrops, all that kind of stuff. You can do so mm-hmm. much community and, and reward them for actually uh, being interested in your product. That is, yeah. that this is what I feel is way more successful. It's trackable. You can see the results and you have, um, mm-hmm. overview view of what you're spending and what you're getting as a brand and you're building long-term relationships. Um, so, so we built this uh, called interface called social mining. It's an, it's the idea that if you want to build a community in the crypto space or the startup space or a digital space in general, you will need to have a community and a good way to go is definitely by blockchain, by using the benefits of blockchain and, and mm-hmm. rewarding them and keeping them gamified, you know, and, and, entertained and close to the project yeah 
Yeah, completely makes sense. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen in September. Uh, I know that now after this interview, I will feel uh, sort of uh, guilty not using it so much. So I will need to go back and, and, and engage a bit more than, than usual over there. And, and probably I will have to hook up with uh, some of the uh, ambassadors just to learn a few of the things because, I, yeah, I'm not very familiar of how, how all this works. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely ping some of you guys uh, just to figure out uh, how to, uh, yeah, how, how to contribute more to the platform. Um, to help you. They're really, really helpful. They love it. I'm sure they're watching uh, yeah. now and they're like, yes, I'm going to help her. Okay, cool. Yeah. So so I'll know where to go. I'll, I'll just get a few names from you and, and just, yeah, connect. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really you. appreciate you coming over. And, um, and yeah, good luck with the launch. Uh, I, I've noted up that it's going to do really well because you, you've got the most important thing and the hard, you, you've done the hardest job. Uh, from from uh, the perspective of community and you already have people waiting for it. So I don't see uh, why it wouldn't work. So yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, thank thank you. you everyone for watching and listening um, on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please make sure you subscribe, you leave a review. That's it. Uh, thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Mm -hmm.